is Juliana McIntosh. And I'm Brad Sutton. And, and this, this is, is The Art, Art of, of Drinking. Drinking. With Join Jules. And your favorite uncle. This is the best home bartending podcast. Where you learn how to make two drinks. A classic. And a twist. Plus a little backstory on the cocktail. So you have an interesting story to tell when you serve your guests. Your home crafted masterpiece. All right, Uncle Brad. Yeah. It is weird to say that this episode is our last episode of the season. Of the season, yeah. Of the season. We're going to be back, baby. Don't you worry. But I think that this is such a fun episode because a lot of people are going to be looking at the title and it says Blood and Sand. And they're Mm -hmm. thinking, now, what in the hell is this cocktail? (laughs) And I'll tell you. I'm going to tell you this. It is our goal to give you a well-rounded season. So we had to hit each spirit at least once. Mm -hmm. So we're giving you a scotch cocktail. And I know what you're thinking. A lot of people are thinking, "Ah, I'm not a scotch drinker. Neither am I. That's why we chose the blood and sand. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Am I right? As I just take a sip of my blood and sand. Yeah, you know, and you might be like, wait, I thought this season was all about foundational cocktails. And it is. So if I teach you how to make a scotch and soda, is that a good use of your time? Probably not. Now that you know how to make a gin and tonic, you know, like you can make a scotch and soda. Am I going to teach you how to make a rusty nail? Sure. Like we can talk about the rusty nail later, but like I want it to be a little bit exciting. And taste good. Yeah. And and have it be something that you pick up, you taste it. You're like, I didn't know that was scotch. This is the drink that you're going to be like, I don't know I'm drinking scotch. The blood and sand. Yep. And with this one, Uncle Brad, I didn't stray too far away from the pack. Okay. I kind of kept it close. So what's fun is a lot of the ingredients you're going to be using for Brad's recipe, you'll also be using for my recipe. There's just two to three additional ingredients that may be used here. So overall, when you go to the store for the weekend, you're not going to have to go crazy with a bunch of ingredients, which is also fun and hopefully more people are inclined to make this at home. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I really, I could not recommend, if you don't love scotch cocktails, if you don't love scotch, please try this one. Because I had one in Vegas because my friend ordered it. And he said, Jules, this is the best cocktail I've ever had. You have to try it. Mm. And I tried it and I ordered myself one because that was delicious. So I promise you, if you're a non-scotch believer, just trust me, okay? Yeah. Just trust me here. I will also challenge you that if you are not a scotch drinker, but you don't mind whiskey or you like whiskey, then just know that the world of scotch is a pretty broad category and there are all kinds of scotches out there. Mm-hmm. And it's very regional. And so where you get your scotch from or the region in Scotland, you can't call it, by the way, hey, fun fact, you can't call it scotch if it's whiskey made anywhere else. It must be made in Scotland to be called scotch. Wow. Yeah, yeah. They really got that one down lock and key, huh? They do, they do. Scotch has a lot of different profiles. And so there's like this iodine kind of flavor that comes from Isla. And uh, Mm. that's a very intense flavor. You get super peaty flavors where they're like really smoky. And then you get more balanced flavors. And it's like you can almost taste the scotch starting to move into Irish whiskey 
which iris whiskey becomes a bit sweeter and not it smoky. Does. Yeah. I love Irish whiskey too. I do too. I, I do love Irish whiskey. I love Irish whiskey. Yeah. And I also love scotch, but I like scotches that are a bit lighter on the smoky mm-hmm. side, which is probably my problem with Mezcal. And hey, if you're listening, I'm still looking for recommendations <laughs> on a Mezcal that I will like. I know what's out there. I'm, I just give me some help. Folks, <laughs> for anybody so. listening who may know a mezcal company who wants to fly us out to Oaxaca, so Uncle Brad Ooh, can have better. a yeah. <laughs> yeah can have a real traditional experience and taste it. Please, please, you know, send us an email. We'd love yeah. to go. Yeah. But I will say it's funny because we flipped this episode. I love mezcal just as much as any other spirit, but I don't like scotch. Mm-hmm. You are the opposite. So that's why this episode is really fun because it takes me finally out of my comfort zone. And you know what? I, I, I will say it again. It tastes delicious. So with all of this said, Uncle Brad, how do we make this delicious scotch cocktail? And this is probably the only cocktail I will, with scotch, that I will call a delicious scotch cocktail. What do we need? Yeah. Well, yeah. So let's talk about uh, what do we need to buy? And then we'll talk about how do we make it. So if you have a blended scotch, because we told you to go buy one earlier this this uh, this year, that's fine. A blended scotch will work here, and that creates a good blood and sand. And it's also great in a like, nice little scotch and soda. So don't fret if you have a blended scotch. If you're going to go buy a scotch and you want to make a scotch, one, a scotch that you're probably going to like. Two, it's a scotch that's going to work out real well in the blood and sand. Go get yourself the Belvini, and that is the... 12-year Belvini, and it says double wood on the outside of the bottle. And what that means is, is that it was aged in whiskey oak and sherry oak. And what this scotch is, is a nice, mellow, not smoky scotch that has almost a bit of a fruity backside to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you're going to like get in there and it's like all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, I've got a fruit salad in my mouth. It's not like that, right? <laughs> Why do I feel like there is a joke in there somewhere? And I feel like somehow like somebody's going to be like, ah, you said fruit salad. Anyways, so uh, so it's oh. not going to be like you're going to have like this explosion of fruit. It's just, it's got nice characters to it that just lend themselves to on the fruit side of it. Get yourself some of that Balvini. Then if you went out and got the goods for the Manhattan episode and you've got a bottle of uh, Punta Mess sitting around and a bottle of Dolan Rouge, that's mm-hmm. great because I have found, and thanks to Death and Company, thank you very much for the inspiration there. I have found that when you put those two together, they really make a nice sweet vermouth. It like balances the bitter with a nice fruit side, and it's not too overwhelming in one way or the other. So get uh, yourself some Punta Mess and get yourself some Dolan Rouge. The next thing you're going to need, and you're probably like, what did he just say? But I'll say it slowly. Cherry hearing. Hearing. Mm-hmm. Looks like cherry herring, mm-hmm. like the fish. Hearing. Mm-hmm. And what that is is a cherry liqueur. And you're mm-hmm. going to need that for the blood and sand. Then you're going to get some oranges because you're going to make some fresh orange juice. You're going to get a lemon or two, depending on how many drinks you're making. One lemon ought to do it because you're not using a lot of lemon juice. Of course, you want ice. And then Luxardo cherry, or if you can find some brandy cherries, that's great too. But I love my Luxardo cherries. 
you're going to want your jigger and you're going to want your shaker, your, your 10 on 10 Boston shaker, 2818 Hawthorne strainer. That's the one with the spring on it. And then a fine mesh strainer for uh, your cocktail glass, because that's going to be the one that's a little bit smaller and kind of like a cone shape. That's okay. all you need. Yeah. That's uh, that's how I had it, and it was damn good. So <laughs> here's the good news about my cocktail, all right? I didn't want to stray too far from the pack. So we are using a lot of the same ingredients. So when you go to the store to buy these ingredients for this cocktail for Uncle Brad's recipe, you're buying the same ingredients for mine with a couple additions. So what you're going to need is a scotch. Mm. You'll also want a sweet vermouth. I used Dolan Rouge, and I thought it tasted fine, great. If you want to do uh, the little mix, mix dough with uh, Uncle Brad, please do it. Then what I did is I also had the cherry herring, but what I've used in the past before when I'm in a pickle and I, I don't want to go run to the store for this one ingredient, I actually used the uh, Luxardo cherry liqueur. Mm-hmm. And that worked fine. It is a little bit sweeter and more floral than the cherry herring. So you're going to get a little bit different flavors, but both will work. Cherry herring is obviously the way to go if you're going the more traditional route. You're also going to need lemons. Uncle Brad, you said lemons too. So, so, so far we're on the right track here. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to go off script now. All right. Oh, okay. Right. Egg white, because mm. I wanted to end on a high note. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And then I actually did a little bit of red wine. And I don't know, I don't, I will not credit this idea to myself. I saw it on a menu before and I had it and it was delicious. And I cannot put a finger on, and maybe this was a different cocktail where they added red wine instead of the orange, but they did, and it was fantastic. And so I'm taking that idea and I'm running with it. Um, so if anybody knows where that idea came from, please credit that person. Do not credit me. But you'll want a red red wine. I use a Malbec. You can use a red blend here. Mm. Now, complex again, same thing as Uncle Brad. Your jigger, your shaker, double strainer. So you want your fine mesh and your Hawthorne and a coupe glass that should... By the time you finish listening to this, should be in your freezer. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mention the coupe class, but absolutely. This goes in a coupe class. Good call. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That's all you're going to need. My cocktail was delicious. I was, I'm not kidding. I was not sure how this was going to turn out. I also had a homemade cherry brandy that I used in my first round. It didn't go over well. I didn't like the flavor. So I went back to, <laughs> so I, I've explored this one and I really, I, I do. I, I mean, my drink, we're in our first segment. My drink's already gone. So I truly enjoyed it. So if you want to take a, a ride on the wild side, give mine a whirl. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about how to make these. Uncle Brad, we've talked far too much about how good this cocktail is for a scotch cocktail. So let's talk about how to make it so people can try it for themselves. Absolutely. And here's a note on cherry herring uh, before we get too far. Cherry herring is something that will stay in your liquor cabinet, not because it won't expire, but just because you won't know how to use it (laughs) forever. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we will definitely next season talk about making a, uh, a Singapore sling, which uses uh, cherry herring and some other drinks too, just so we can make use of some of these uh, bottles that we've, we've purchased. And 
I think about these things because I think about the bottles that I've purchased over time and then let expire. And then it's like, it's just a waste, right? So don't worry. Sad day when you have to do a a funeral for your bottles. I I, I know too well. I thinned out the herd uh, a couple days ago and I was like, (laughs) it it truly is sad. So what a good idea. Yeah, we should definitely do uh, an episode covering, you know, some great cocktails to try out using these specialty liqueurs because- when you know how to use them, they taste pretty damn good. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. All right. So how do we use this cherry herring you speak yeah, of, what are we doing? Brad? What's going on, kid? That's my dad used to say. <laughs> Talk me through this. Come on, kid. Let's get going here. All right, here we go. So you're going to take that coupe glass, and what are we going to do with that coupe glass? We're going to it's already, it's already in their freezer. It's already in the they freezer. know this. By now, you've got like a half dozen coupe glasses sitting in your freezer, right? All right, so chill your coupe glass. And then you're going to take your shaker and you're going to bike it apart and you're going to take it the big side and you're going to put three-quarter ounce of fresh orange juice because you've juiced your oranges. And by the way, you juiced your lemon too. So you've Mm -hmm. got three-quarter ounce fresh orange juice going in the big side. Then you're going to take a half of teaspoon. I said teaspoon, half a teaspoon of lemon. Wow. Yep. And believe me, you go too much here, it shows Mm -hmm. up. Okay? Yep. Half a teaspoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, if you don't have a measuring spoons, then it's like, a, literally, it's like a dash. It's just, it's a couple yeah. of dashes. It's not a lot. Mm-hmm. Trust me, measure it. Half teaspoon. Then you're going to take half ounce of sweet vermouth. And this is when I mixed Punta Mess and Dolan Rouge. And I got really a beautifully perfect sweet vermouth uh, for this cocktail as well. Mm-hmm. I am going to now take my cherry herring and I'm going to put a half ounce of cherry herring in this drink. And then you're going to go one ounce of your Balvini scotch or whatever scotch that you happen to have on hand. I'm going to put ice in the small side of the shaker and I'm going to shake it until I break it. Right? Mm -hmm. Because what do we do? Mm -hmm. We don't rock it to sleep. We don't lull the sleep. We pound the hell out of this drink in the shaker and I, I feel yeah. like I need to emphasize this every time because I still like when I teach bartending classes and stuff, I see people who are just kind of rolling around and they're like, nah, shake it. <laughs> shake yeah. that drink. Shake it like your mama made it. Yeah. yeah. And, and just imagine in your mind's eye, the ice is hitting one side of the shaker on the bottom and then it's coming all the way back to the top. So it's best to use that thing horizontal. Okay. Ten to ten. My God, if I die, I just hope somebody said, you know, Brad told me. <laughs> I'm going to put that on your tombstone. (laughs) Shake your damn drink. There you go. (laughs) Now, uh, you're going to pull that glass out of the fridge because your cocktail has been sufficiently, sufficiently shaken. So we got a glass in front of us. We're going to double strain. And what does double strain mean? We put the Hawthorne strainer on the big side of the shaker. Hopefully all the contents are also in that side of the shaker. And you're going to pour that through the fine mesh strainer into your cocktail glass. That's called double straining. Then you're going to garnish a with a cherry. And that, my friends, is the blood and sand. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. I'm, I'm surprised you only do a half ounce of the cherry herring. Half ounce? Half ounce. Cherry herring is very potent stuff. And this yeah. drink is kind of a little bit naked, so it shows up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I'm a, I'm the opposite. I really want 
everything to take center stage with mine. And again, mine is definitely a riff. So if you like Brad, you want to back off the cherry herring, do yo, it. Yo, you know what I'm hearing right now? A lack of confidence, Jules. I know. You made this well, drink. Like, oh, you, only did you said this tastes else? good. <laughs> Don't let the way right. I like it dictate the way you make it. Jesus True. Christ, come on. No, I know. You're right. You're right. Okay, yeah. people, try mine this way. And if you hate it, do Uncle Brad's. And then we'll never talk about it again. Here's how you make it. <laughs> In your cocktail shaker, <laughs> you're going to take. This is so random. Like, this is, I feel like, such a random one for me. Because it it is, it's, scotch freaks me out, okay? I, hey, I'm listen. nervous and scared. Uh, you t- Preaching the choir, sister. I Mezcal scares the hell out of me. Yeah. So, Still looking for that yeah. great Mezcal, folks. Yeah, I'm still somebody, looking for a uh, good scotch. I don't mean to keep pushing that, but somebody, somebody one day might say, yeah, hey, you know, why don't you guys come down and check out the way we do Mezcal? And I'll be down there and I'll drink the Mezcal. And I'll be like, <laughs> somebody. Don't embarrass ah, me. It's on my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about scotch. That's why I'm so nervous about this cocktail. But you're right. I have it in front of me. My glass is empty. I really enjoyed it. So here's how you're going to make this. All right. In your cocktail shaker, we're going to crack an egg white. One egg white. Let's crack that baby first. We don't want the yolk. Yolk would be disgusting. We just want the white, okay? From there, what I did is I added only a half ounce of lemon juice. Like Brad said, I feel like the citrus goes a long way. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's why I countered it with half ounce of lemon juice and a half ounce of red wine. And I'm using the red wine in substitution for the orange juice. I didn't want this to be very citrus heavy because I feel like when it is citrus heavy, because I did it with more lemon juice, it was more tart than I wanted it to be because of the citrus. And I think that it needed to back off. So I think that incorporating the red wine and the lemon juice really kind of brought together a really great flavor. So a half ounce of lemon juice, a half ounce of red wine. Now from there, one ounce of scotch, one ounce of sweet vermouth, and one ounce of cherry liqueur, or you could do three quarters of an ounce. You know, hey, you do it your way. Once you do that, you're going to shake without ice. I think you're muted, Uncle Brad. (laughs) I can't hear you. Oh, I'm just chatting away here on mute, being like, what do you mean one ounce or three quarter ounce? Like, come on, like, what did you put in your drink? What was... You gooned that drink before we even got to this segment. So tell me, (laughs) (laughs) you totally gooned it. What did you put in that drink? Was it one ounce or three quarter? I did one ounce. Okay. So you're going to goon it like Jules do an ounce. (laughs) But I will say in full transparency, I did use the Luxardo cherry liqueur over the cherry herring just because it's what I had. So... Take everything with a grain of salt for me this episode, okay? Uh, bullshit. Anyway. Bullshit. I think that, <laughs> look, if you're saying use Luxardo cherry liqueur, then that is what we'll do, all right? Uncle Brad, you're making me sweat. I'm nervous. Sorry, I'm just, I don't mean to make you nervous. I'm just saying, you know, you... Wow. Oh, Last okay. episode, you were not letting me get away with anything. Well, I just oh, like, boy. Look, you make amazing things happen. So, like, don't doubt yourself. Like, I'm over here, like, oh, I follow the recipe. Like, look at you. You're like riffing and you're like, right. making stuff work. All right. Sorry. One ounce, people. Do the <laughs> one ounce. All right. And then let me know what you think because right. I gooned it. 
All right. <laughs> Dry shake this baby with all those wonderful ingredients that are perfectly measured out. One ounce cherry. Add ice, shake again. Double strain into that coupe gloss that had been just resting in your freezer. Um, garnish with a dehydrated citrus wheel or... You can do a little lemon twist, a little, little you know, express of the lemon peel and just mm-hmm. plop that in the fluffy goodness that you have um, that is in your drink. And let me tell you, if you, I don't know what I did, but it was delicious. And I saw it go from like this pink color to a deep red color with the egg really? white. It just was so, oh, such a yeah. beautiful cinematic experience. Ah, I like it. It's like 4K. And apropos, ooh, can't wait till we get to the story. It's cinematic. I like this. All right. Yeah. You're suddenly okay. Well, that's how you make the cocktails. Who knows if you're gonna like it? I liked mine. Uncle Brad's is a classic. So yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. Again, like if you follow Jules and you're like, I really like the stuff that she makes, then you're gonna like this cocktail because literally, the drink is empty. So, God, jeez, what the hell? <laughs> I don't uh, know you right. as well, one that's just what? like, oh, let's just I'll just drink all this stuff. Like whatever, fuck, throw it in the glass. Like, like yeah, give me the bar mat, pour it in my glass, and that's the thing I'll take. Like, you're just not that person. So, shh, oh. come on. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you know what? I need to make a second one, and we need to get to our history lesson. Okay. All right, good. Let's do that. <laughs> oh, shiza. Oh, all right, Uncle Brad. I think it is time for me to stop talking and you to give us a history lesson. (laughs) All right, great. I've moved on to scotch, so. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Here we go. So the blood and sand, here's the thing about the blood and sand. You look at the history in the blood and sand, it's thin. Like Mm. people are like, we don't know who invented it, but we know why it was invented. There's not a lot of controversy, but I still find the things that surround the blood and sand to be interesting. So you wanted a story. I got a story for you around the blood and sand and then some. Oh. Okay. So the origins are London. And uh, this drink was was created in London and documented in London. And we'll talk about that in a second. But the drink was named after the 1922 silent film starring Rudolph Valentino, if you've ever heard that name before. Mm. The movie was based on a book that was from 1909 called, it was written by Vincente Blasco Ibanez. Ibanez, maybe. And that was, the book was named, it was called The The Sangre y Arena. And I guess that's that's a really wonderful book to read. Valentino, and the story goes, is that Valentino rises from humble beginnings uh, to become the greatest matador in all of Spain. However, he gets caught up in the fame and fortune of being this famous matador and falls from grace and then dies trying to redeem himself in the movie and then also the book. Apparently, this is his greatest performance in this silent movie. If you're into that kind of thing, maybe you want to go watch a silent movie. I've tried. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. But for the readers out there, I guess the book is great too, but I guess I just spoiled the uh, the ending. So, you know. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about Rudolph Valentino, right? Because this is, I kind of found this interesting as I'm I'm doing my research. So Valentino was a heartthrob back in the days, but he wasn't all of that impressive to the American male. The American man was like, oh, this guy's kind of a... 
a dandy. And a dandy, what a dandy, right. and he actually was characterized as a dandy, is a man who places particular importance upon his physical appearance and has a refined language and leisurely hobbies that are pursued uh, with the appearance of being kind of nonchalant about it. Like he was mm-hmm. a dandy, I guess. And there was this Chicago journalist who wrote about Valentino and really his assault on American masculinity and blamed him for pink talcum powder showing up in men's rooms and swanky hotels and restaurants (laughs) around the United States. Yeah. So (laughs) Valentino was like, hey, man, that's not cool. I'm a little bit upset by that. And by the way, this journalist was kind of unnamed. So Valentino puts out this, I guess, ad, I mean... (laughs) whatever. is like, hey, I challenged this guy to a, a boxing match. Well, the journalist who wrote this article about him being, you know, uh, an assault on American masculinity never showed up. But another journalist said, hey, yeah, I'll fight you. And so the two get into the ring and uh, Valentino actually comes out the victor, much like the bullfighter mm-hmm. champion that he was. Mm-hmm. The blood and sand, back, back to the drink. Uh, so this appeared in 1930 within the Savoy cocktail book. And this cocktail book, if you've never heard of it, is one of those seminal books. And it was written by a guy by the name of Harry Craddock, who was a bartender. And you Mm -hmm. probably have heard the name before. By the way, this is not the same Harry that's behind Harry's Bar or Harry's New York Bar in Paris. But Mm -hmm. Craddock was an English bartender who became one of the most famous bartenders of the 1920s and 30s. And Craddock... How he got a start is he moved to the United States and worked in a variety of different bars in New York City. And prohibition rolls around and Craddock is like, yeah, it's kind of tough to be a bartender in a place where drinking is illegal. So he moves to uh, London and starts working at the Savoy. Now, the the Mm -hmm. Savoy Hotel. Now, the Savoy wasn't just any hotel and it wasn't just any hotel with a bar. It was the hotel and the hotel with a bar. So the Savoy mm-hmm. Hotel started out as an opera house, and I'm not sure, maybe it started out as an opera house and a hotel at the same time. Either way, it has some connections to the opera house. And it was located, it's, and it still is, located in central London in the city of Westminster in a part of the city known as The Strand. So it was built in 1889, and it still stands today, and it's operating as the Savoy today, and it's on the historic registry of buildings in, in London, meaning that it's a historic monument. So if you have mm-hmm. the chance and you go to London, you definitely need to go stop into the Savoy. Because what's cool about the Savoy is it was the first luxury hotel in Britain. They introduced electric lights, elevators, wow. and bathrooms in luxury suites at the Savoy. And only in the most lavishly furnished of rooms. And the owner actually hired Caesar Ritz as the manager. And, uh, and then they also hired this chef named uh, Auguste Escoffier. Escoffer. Escoffier. So Caesar yeah. and Escoffer were the gents who started the Ritz. And these guys were like, I mean, they were swankier than swank with the way they wanted to treat hotel guests. And so... Mm-hmm. They hired Craddock, right? And they established this like amazing presence of quality and service. In 1905, just to give an example of the opulence of this luxury hotel, there was a millionaire by the name of George Kessler, and he hosted a gondola party 
nice. in the central courtyard <laughs> of the hotel and flooded the central courtyard no to a depth way. of four feet. Jesus. And then scenery was erected around the courtyard and the staff got in costumes and the staff and the guests recreated Venice in the courtyard wow. of the Savoy. It was like two dozen guests dined in this enormous gondola in the courtyard. And then after dinner, this Italian opera singer by the name of Enrico uh, Caruso, if that's your kind of thing, you know who that is. Mm -hmm. Apparently a very famous guy at the time. Uh, he sings at the end of this dinner, and then they had a baby elephant bring out a five-foot birthday cake. Right? Jeez. Like, that is opulence. Are you kidding? No. And so, and then like, you know, like in 1953, Queen Elizabeth, her coronation was hosted at the Savoy. Dignitaries, royalty, uh, even Winston Churchill often took his cabinet to lunch at the Savoy Grill. And by the way, I don't know if the Savoy Grill still is. I don't think it is. But at one time was managed by one Gordon Ramsay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this Savoy Hotel has kept pace. In fact, it's been ahead of pace uh, with modern luxury. And it's had many renovations since its inception. Mm -hmm. Everything but the American bar. The American bar where Harry Craddock worked. That has remained mm -hmm. largely the same. So if you go to London and you step into the Savoy and you step into the American bar, you are drinking an establishment that Harry Craddock, the Harry Craddock, who's invented many cocktails, Corpse Reviver, White Lady, if you've never heard of a White Lady, wonderful drink. And they say he could have invented the blood and sand. They don't know for sure. He just documented it in Savoy cocktail book. Yeah. But the thing that I like to think about when I hear these stories is when I look at drinks in the Savoy cocktail book, I'm drinking the stuff that they would serve to queens, to kings, to celebrities all throughout history. So take a sip or take a seat, I should say, <laughs> then take a sip of your blood and sand and just know <laughs> oh. you are having uh, a drink that was entertained by people of history. Right. Like high that's class. High yeah. class, bougie ass people. There you go. Wow. And honestly, this drink does kind of make you feel bougie. Yeah. When you order it at the bar, people are going to be like, oh my mm. God, what? That's is a sophisticated that? drinker right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, you'd have to know. Okay. But question for you, Uncle Brad. Yeah. Yep. You started the origin with Valentino. Mm -hmm. How did that come together with the blood and sand? Oh, uh, yeah. So the movie that Valentino started in was called The Blood and Sand. It was called oh. Blood. It wasn't called The. It was called Blood and Sand. Blood and Sand. Yeah. Ah, okay. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So I was wondering, I was like, did we just talk about a random silent film? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, uh, that makes sense. I think that we need to put on our list going to London as well as Oaxaca. Yeah. And then we need to go to Scotland. We've got places to go. <laughs> well, and while we're there, let's just stop it at Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I got to tell you, I um, I think I've said it before. London is one of my favorite cities. It really is. And I, mm -hmm. when I travel, I like to get out of the city. London is one of those places that I love to be in the city. And so it's just, yeah. it's, it's something special. Yep. And the cocktail scene there is off the hook. I was just going to say, if uh, if anyone listening goes before us, make sure to order a blood and sand at... The Savoy. It'll set you back a little. Savoy. 
yeah, this place isn't uh, isn't for the faint of heart and uh, the, the small of wallet, but it's an experience and you are literally sitting in history. You are sitting in a place of history, enjoying a cocktail of history. Yep. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. There's history lesson for the day, folks. There you go. Don't tell you we didn't teach you something. There you go. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. Since this is our last podcast recording of the season, mm-hmm. don't forget of the season, Uncle Brad, what do we want to what do we want to leave people with? Gosh, Jules, I don't know. Uh, here's a tip: listen to the next season. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I think we should talk about what we're thinking for our next season. And I think you had a good idea in just this episode, which is maybe having an episode where, hey, we told you to use all these specialty liqueurs or spirits. Okay, now what other cocktails can I use for them? I think that's a really good idea because there's a lot of cocktails out there where you can use multiple ingredients for a Mm -hmm. lot of different cocktails. So I like that idea. Let's take our investment if you made one, and uh, let's let's expand, expand, and we will go across a gamut of cocktails. Mm-hmm. We can do a tiki drink, we can do a prohibition drink, we can do a new age drink. Like we will cover, I think, yes, no, we will. We will cover a gamut and a wide range of cocktails because now you've got the foundation of kind of how yeah. to make cocktails. And if this is the first episode you're listening to. I strongly encourage you to go back and listen to the other episodes because what these are, these are the building blocks for just basic Mm -hmm. bartending in your home. And everything that you're going to make from here on out is going to somehow stack on top of these things. And you're going to be able to draw correlations to those foundational drinks that we've went through. The other thing that I think we need to do, maybe we talk to a few folks, right? Some bring some guests on every once in a while and talk to the people who are in the industry, right? Yeah, I think interviews would be great. Uncle Brad, I think I have two fun tips we can leave people with for this episode um, as we gear into a second season, which mm-hmm. um, we are so stoked and excited to to be working on and give you. But until then, did we ever go over when you shake and when you stir? Did we did we touch on that? I don't know if we did, but let's let's circle back on it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. do, you, do you want me to answer? You have an answer? What's your answer? I have an answer, and I know you're going to expand on it because mine is just the simplified version. Think about it this way. Mm-hmm. When you're adding juices to your drink or you're adding, I don't know, fresh juices and egg white, anything, dairy, I would eh, I guess not necessarily dairy because you have white Russian. So let's just stick with juices, egg whites. If you're adding Anything like that to your cocktail, you should shake it. Now, if you're doing a booze-forward drink where you want the, you don't want to, I, I don't like the term of bruising your spirits when you shake, but if you really just want to express the ingredients and just let the ice sweat a little bit rather than di- oh, really sweat. dilute your drink, mm-hmm. sweat, yeah, sweat, like uh, then you stir. So think about it. Uh, you got an old-fashioned, you got a Manhattan, you got a martini, Right, all of those cocktails that are booze forward, you stir. All of the, say you're adding lime juice and simple syrup to a drink, it's margarita, shake it up, baby. Yeah. So that's how I like to think of it. Citrus is, uh, I think the biggest thing to pay attention here. Uh, so if a drink has citrus juice in it, shake it. 
It just mm-hmm. needs to be it needs to be shaken. And when you shake that drink, you are aerating it, you're incorporating the flavors, you're chilling it down. You can shake a Manhattan, which is 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 spirit forward. You can shake a martini, which is spirit forward. Mm-hmm. Just know that when you do that, you are um, if you're not straining out the uh, little bits of ice, which is if you're going to shake a martini or you're going to shake a Manhattan, you're doing it because you want those little bits of ice in your drink to mm-hmm. dilute it. Mm-hmm. You should stir them. Doesn't mean you have to. Maybe you like your martini shaken, not stirred, right? So Uh your call, but the rule of thumb is with citrus, you shake. Definitely shake if you got an egg white in there. (laughs) Super gross if you don't. (laughs) Um, And then stir otherwise. And then if it's got like uh, bubbles or, you know, like uh, soda water, seltzer water, Coke, you know, whatever. Like those are all making the glass. You don't need to do anything with that. You just, you pour the spirit into the glass. You pour the bubbles into the glass. And mm-hmm. if you want, you can even, you know, give it a little zhuzh with the uh, with the bar spoon. <laughs> a little zhuzh. A little zhuzh. Yeah. I was, I was also going to give people, I'm in San Diego. You're in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be fun to give a couple favorite bars to check out cocktail bars that you can visit whenever you're in our areas. Yeah. So should I go first or do you want to go first? Yeah, no, please go first. Okay, if you ever venture out to San Diego, there's a couple of cocktail bars I highly recommend you go to. My first one, one of my favorites, is Raised by Wolves. My second is a new Italian restaurant. It's called Maurici. And then I would say my third would have to be Polite Provisions. Those three will take you on a cocktail journey, and they're fantastic. So if you're ever in San Diego, check them out. You may even see me there sipping on a cocktail, because I frequent. I'm glad you went first, because I didn't see this coming, and I was trying to think off the top of my head uh, some favorite cocktail bars of mine. And there are cocktail bars I'm going to miss, and so... Just please, if you are from Minnesota, you're like, oh, you didn't say. I'm sorry. Believe me, if you like it, I was thinking about it. Uh, <laughs> but what comes to mind immediately for me is Parlor, which is in uh, Minneapolis in the North Loop. Uh, there is Constantine, which is in uh, the Hotel Ivy. And Parlor and Constantine are actually connected by the same head bartender, uh, uh, Jesse Held. And so I love, I love what this guy does. Uh, there's another spot called Young Joni. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful restaurant in Northeast Minneapolis and, uh, she's a James Beard award winner. She's great. We've got Travail, which is a Mm -hmm. nationally recognized as is Young Joni, uh, restaurant. Uh, they've got a a bar downstairs that you actually have to get a ticket to go to. And the things that they produce are freaking hard. Awesome. I love these guys. Like you go and it's it's expensive to get dinner there, but it's an experience. Yeah. And then uh, also there's a really great spot. It's kind of speakeasy style. It's called Volstads. Big fan of the Volstads. And oh, by the way, around the corner at Young Joni is also a speakeasy. So if you are walking to Young Joni and you look down the alley and you see a little red light above a door, go in there. Okay. Oh. And there's wow. all kinds that I've missed. Uh, I'm, I've missed a bunch in St. Paul, but if, if you're coming to Minneapolis... Just head there. You won't be wrong. Wow. Well, you know what, Uncle Brad? I am heading to Minneapolis in December, mm, so we should go yeah. check some out. Oh, really? That's a good idea. I don't know. Yes, yeah. of course we will. Of course we will. Yes. Wow. All well, right. this is our last episode of season one. 
season and we one. cannot wait until season two. We got a lot yeah. of ideas. So if you have any questions, comments, season two suggestions, things we didn't yep. touch upon, reach out and, and let us know. Message us, DM us on Instagram, send us an email. Whatever you need to do, you can find us. And we want to hear what you guys have to say. Hey, you know what? Actually, I'm going to add one more bar to that list. Because okay. this bar needs to be on this list. And this okay. isn't a bar anybody can get into. So you got to know somebody to get into this bar. Yeah. Tell them Uncle Brad sent you. It's called the Sherrick Shanty. Some friends of mine who built the most amazing bar in their backyard. It is almost like a speakeasy. You got to go through the fence <laughs> and it's like a big tall fence. And then you get in there and there's this epic freaking bar. It looks like a commercial bar and they built it from the ground up. They host, I'm telling you, this thing is, we're going there. We've got to check All it right. out. You got to actually, I, I think they shut it down in the wintertime. So we got to go there this, uh, oh, when you come out. 100%. The I'll oh, tell yeah. them Uncle Brad sent me. Oh my God. They'll know totally. what I'm talking about. For sure. All right. All right. There you go. There go. Uh, yeah, that was it. Thanks for, thanks for the ride, folks, for, for coming along with us. And uh, I, I totally, give me your tips on Mezcal. Give me your tips on how to grow good mint. I want to know yeah. that. And uh, give us suggestions for the show. Thanks. Yeah. And hey, we can go remote too. Let us know if you want a remote podcast in London, in Oaxaca, in Ireland. We can yeah, looking that. at you, Savoy Hotel. <laughs> looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, there you have it. Cheers, Uncle Brad. Cheers, Jules. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. Don't worry, we will have the photos and recipes for today's cocktails on the website, joinjewels.com. And if you got questions or comments for us, hit us up on the Insta at The Art of Drinking Podcast. And of course, find Jules at joinjewels or Cigars and Vino, that's me, also on the Insta. And hey, subscribe to my cocktail club on Facebook. All you'll need to do is search Join Jewels Cocktail Club, and there you'll see what other cocktail enthusiasts are shaking up. This is a Red Rock Music Podcast. Don't forget, subscribe, like, and review The Art of Drinking with Join Jewels and your favorite uncle wherever you get your podcasts.